We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder Drew Gear. Be aggressive. You have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are going to turn around and devour my brain. The Bills make me wanna. I mean, the energy and effort, you know, that's the first thing I'm going to look at every time I, I turn the tape on and, and I'll make that really clear to our guys that, um, you know, that's the number one thing, energy and effort, strain, it's just, you got to show that passion, that's what special teams are about, show that passion, uh, you know, I've, I've taken a look at the guys and I love where they're at, I love the energy, I love the, you know, the players and, and, uh, and that's what I can, you know, that's, that's what I want to stress is the importance of special teams is so big on, the, on these teams and, um, you know, if I can, uh, you know, show it by my passion, by my energy, um, that's what it's going to, you know, uh, to, to, to show them. It's going to, um, I think it'll uh, show on the field. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Rockpile Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was brand spanking new special teams coordinator, Heath Farwell, from his interview over at buffalobills.com. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, before we get started tonight, if any of you want an opportunity to come out, hang out with Chris and I, have a couple beers, maybe get a little silly, Rock Sports Network and the Batavia Downs, I don't know what you want to call it. Batavia Downs Casino. (laughs) It's a casino. casino. You gamble track. your money there. They're putting on the Batavia Sports Expo. Okay, Coming up February 16th and 17th, it's being brought to you by a group called Legends and Stars. We are doing a live show from Thurman Thomas's 34 Rush on Sunday the 17th. But that entire weekend is an incredible signing event. I mean, Chris, when you want to talk about the names that come to some of these things, you, Tony Dorsett and Lawrence Taylor are going to be in Batavia signing autographs. Sabres all-star, Gilbert Perot, he's going to be there. Sunday, the day we're going to be there, is the Bills Day. Marv Levy, Stevie Johnson, Kenny Davis, a guy who I can't, I, I'm really hoping to get a chance to pick his brain. Fred Smurlis, Steve Christie, and rookie quarterback Josh Allen. We're going to be joining Ryan Lacell, Icy Vic, and a whole bunch of the other guys from Rock Sports Network 
Sunday at 34 Rush at Batavia Downs. We're going to be doing Rock Sports Network TV live from the signing event. We're going to be covering a slew of off-season topics, some surprise guests. It's going to be worth, if you can't make it down, at least tune in. If you can make it down, I strongly advise you come, you pay the cover, you hang out with Chris and I. You have a couple beers. Maybe you get an autograph or two. I don't know. Chris, it sounds like a hell of a time. It does. And what else is a hell of a time is on all of the notes that I have sitting here in front of me of all the highlights of this event that you have labeled on our show format, (laughs) it says Sabres All-Star Gilbert Perot. Gilbert G-I-L-B-E-A-R. That is not even close how you spell I don't spell hockey players' names. I don't watch hockey that religiously, and I don't give a shit how your name's spelled. I know how to pronounce it. Folks, if you want any more information on the event, legendsandstars.net for ticket info and signing times. Follow them on Twitter, Legends and Stars. You'll get your updates there. I urge you to come on down. You can sit there. I mean, the place is going to be crawling with premier athletes, historical athletes. Have a beer or three with Chris and I. I'll be one of those uh, historic athletes. As <laughs> well, my adult, my adult hockey team, we did win the championship last night. You're welcome. <laughs> I had two goals. And if, so. you can't, if you can't make it down, at least tune in on WHAM 13 in Rochester and Facebook Live over at Rock Sports Network on Facebook. It's going to be a great time. With that, Chris, we got to open the show with a conversation about Championship Weekend. If it's, anybody here cares about football, you were watching Championship Weekend, right? Exactly, and it easily starts with what I have over here on the table is the little bit of Sailor Jerry I have left. I drank about <laughs> I drank about eighty percent of that bottle on Sunday. I was puking at two in the morning, Sunday morning, in the toilet, and I just like like I I literally got like. I got up in the middle of the night to go puke, just like you get up in the night to go to the bathroom and then go back to bed. Like, that's exactly how it, how it happened. Tell the folks the realization. What dawned on you when you woke up at that point in the morning about your hair? Oh, yeah. Like, I put my hand in my, like, through my hair, like, because I'm puking and I'm sweating. So you're trying to, like, rub the sweat off your forehead. And I'm like, there's no putty in my... I must have taken a shower when I got home. I don't remember doing that at all. Folks, this is a 34-year-old man admitting that once a season... Folks, I don't know if you know yeah, this. Yeah, we talked about this before we started recording. Like, when we go to Bills games, I don't really... I don't get, like, hammered drunk at all. But there is always one weekend, whether it's Wild Card, Divisional, Championship Sunday. It's never the Super Bowl where I just get annihilated drunk. Like, two years ago... Right after uh, I, my wife and I at the time had separated, like I got, I, I think I drank a whole bottle of Bacardi and I came home and I puked in the hood of my hoodie. Folks, this is Chris. This is my producer and this is the guy who I, he tries to hang. He, he really does. With that said, from what you remember of Championship Weekend, Chris, first I want to start with Saints and Rams. I remember the games. Don't get me wrong. I remember the games. Okay. I don't remember being home. Here's what I'll say. For everybody out there, I mean, everyone wants to talk about the call being the story of the game. Okay? Here's what I want to say. First of all, the Saints started out hot. But let's not pretend that they didn't go up 13-0 and then piss away that lead. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. If you're a good football team and you go up by double digits and then you give away the lead, 
you're kind of asking to get screwed. You're setting yourself up for it. Second of all, yes, the Rams got away with so much more than that one egregious play call, okay? There was pick plays left and right that weren't being called, but nobody's talking about that. Nobody seems to care because this one play has chapped everyone's ass so raw that it's the only thing ESPN Radio is talking about. It's the only thing most newspapers are talking about when it comes to the NFL. Chris, it was a terrible call. Former Bill Nicobe Ro- uh, Nico- Roby Coleman. Nickel Roby Coleman. Jesus Christ, I can't even say his name anymore. He he admitted that he laid a cheap shot on the guy. Yeah, and he went stone cold. He said, hell yeah, that was P.I. Hell yeah, it was. They didn't call it. Hey, got to respect the hustle. Got to respect the hustle. You do what you have to do to win the game. I used to play offensive line as a kid. Do you know the cheap-ass things I did to people? We had a coach, Coach Bunn. I'll never forget it. He taught us how to cheat. It's the way it's affected me as an adult because I don't know how to be a good sport anymore. I'm always looking for a cheap shot. I'm always looking for an angle. Why? Because that's how I learned how to play sports. And at the pro level, you do what you got to do. You do what you have to do when you're making millions of dollars a year. So he did what he thought he had to do and he got away with it. I feel, if there's anybody in this whole thing, it's not even Saints fans. If there's, I've reached a place where if there's anybody I feel bad for, it's the official who had to go out there and make that call. Because you know, Chris, you know, he was going out there thinking to himself, holy shit, I have to tell this crowd of people that there is no flag coming. There is no flag coming. And then I have to walk to my car when this is over, <laughs> I, I'm just picturing, uh, what is it, uh, Happy Gilmore. Oh, I see you can count. Yeah, and you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot, Shooter. I mean, well, he wasn't walking back to his car. It's a rental. So he couldn't give a rip about it. Yeah, unless they cut him off halfway. <laughs> <laughs> but with that said, folks, let's, let, let, let's, let's get down to brass tacks here. A lawsuit, a lawsuit over a football game. That's where I lost my respect for the Saints in this whole thing. You want to talk to me about taking the high ground and say, uh, taking the high road and saying, hey, you know, we got fucked in a football game. And as fans, we are upset about it and we have every right to be upset about it. That's cool. I understand. I'm a Bills fan. Who doesn't understand getting screwed? More than us. At the same time, you filed a lawsuit? Chris, did the Bills file a lawsuit over the home run throwback? No, I don't. They, we were probably too drunk to know that that was in even a possibility. What about what about the, the no goal? The famous Brett Hull goal against the Sabres that cost him the cup. Did anyone call an attorney and say, let's sue the league? I don't know. Was Salino and Barnes still around then? <laughs> Do you call for that? No reasonably intelligent individual could expect to win this. And in all honesty, it diminishes my respect for you as a fan base. I'm sorry. When did you get so soft? You guys sucked for two decades before you had any kind of prominence. And now you're butthurt about it? They're still butthurt. There's, they're butthurt. If, if suing for, I mean, I, I read the law. I read the complaint. 
I read the formal legal complaint and the list of things that they say. And the one that stuck in my craw the most was that they think that it's actionable for a quote unquote, what is it? A loss of a loss of enjoyment of life because of the outcome of the game. Are you fucking crazy? If Bills fans could have sued an action, if there was an actionable thing against the league by Bills fans, when a game, the outcome of a single game, impaired our our enjoyment of life, half of the Bills fan base would own a speedboat. <laughs> My liver damage alone would qualify me for a Porsche. Are you all crazy? Have we lost our minds here? I mean, they're still butthurt about last season in that freak play that they lost. That's two years in a row the Saints should probably be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, but you know what? After seeing it like this, I'm not going to lie. I was on their side right up until today. And then today I started thinking around, like, you know what the hell with these guys? You're crybabies. Because we've endured so much more than you have. And none of us ever filed a lawsuit, so I'll see you all in hell. Go Rams. And on the other side of the ball, Chris, Chiefs versus Patriots. Would you look at that, Bills fans? The Patriots are in the Super Bowl again for the third straight year. Isn't this great? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Just what everybody wants to see. Another chance to be reminded that if you wear Ugg boots, shoot creepy mattress commercials, quietly dump your model girlfriend who you knocked up for a supermodel and just happen to be a Hall of Famer who plays for one of the most influential owners in the NFL, you too can have your wildest dreams of nine Super Bowl appearances come true. (laughs) Oh, the cynicism is so thick I can cut it with a knife. Guys, in all seriousness, to hell with that guy, that coach, that team, that area of the country. I mean, comets, sinkholes, literally sinking into the ocean like Atlantis aren't good enough for these schmucks. Uh, you're the worst thing that ever happened in America. <laughs> you're Seriously, it goes you, slavery, and then Pearl Harbor 9-11 combined. Chris, why did you allow me to drunkenly take to Twitter? Well, uh, you wanted to go live on Twitter, so... Uh... I'll gladly set that up. <laughs> you should save the people from this. I decided that it was my place to drunk explain the well, rules. Well, that was the title of the uh, the video. Was uh, Drew wanted to go live, so I apologize for this, what you're about to watch. Here's what I'll say about my takeaway from the Chiefs-Patriots game. Andy Reid being outcoached 2.0. That's what I'm going to catalog this game as. Complete lack of creativeness on the offense. You knew going into this game, if you were a Chiefs fan, that they were going to, the Patriots were going to, Bill Belichick, as a coach, if you've ever done your homework or you're a casual fan, his MO is he takes away the one or two things that you do best. And he makes you try to tread water with everything else that's left. And if you can beat him with backups or with scraps or with spare parts, then so be it. He's willing to roll the dice on that. He's willing to leave you, Chris Conley. He's willing to give you a Sammy Watkins. He will not give you a Travis Kelsey or a Tariq Hill. Tariq Hill, Chris, posted a season-low stat line. I mean, What, are you pulling it up? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm looking at it because I took screenshots of it today because I was floored 
by the fact that, I mean, you're talking about a game in which Tariq Hill had 30 all-purpose yards. That's punt return. That's offense. That's just a wide receiver. You had 30 yards. Travis Kelsey was a non-factor in the entire game. They took away the two most vital components of their offense. And I don't know why Andy Reid gets so much credit. He's a good coach. Except when when you know that the two most important parts of your defense offense are about to be taken away, you have no answer. Well, they didn't. You can't scheme them open, and you also can't find ways to make the other players more dynamic. Well, they didn't. They didn't turtle because they were what down. They were down at half. They were shut out at halftime, which like hadn't been done in, since 2016. And it shouldn't have been for a good head coach. But he made the necessary adjustments to at least. Give his team a chance to win. Okay, Chris. they put they put up what twenty four points in the fourth quarter. Now let's talk about the thing you were screaming about. Well, yeah, they left. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's probably because you know Chan Gailey worked for the Chiefs, so they don't want any of that in their building. I mean, you do what Chan Gailey did in two thousand eleven against the Patriots was that Fred Jackson play took him down to the one, and then they just took knees for the final two minutes. Well, yeah, I mean the Patriots would have had to burn all their timeouts there. Right, because I think they got in the end zone right at the two minute warning. But if you just take knees there, then the Patriots end up burning their timeouts, and you know that might make a slight difference. But Chris, you, this would be less egregious if he hadn't lost in the exact same fashion to the Patriots just like six or seven weeks ago. It's fucking absurd. Yeah. Andy Reid is the most easily outcoached head coach who's good in the NFL. He's the head coach I'm never afraid of. Belichick is like Darth Vader, and Andy Reid is like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. You're, Literally. You, you're big, you carry yourself, you're a large man. And white. But you don't intimidate me. There's nothing intimidating about you. It's incredible. And here we are, because of them and their inability to execute a game plan or play defense or just keep themselves composed. We're here talking about the Patriots in another friggin' Super Bowl. Chris, it's enough to make me sick, and I can't take it anymore, so we're moving on. With that, we're going to hit this week's Bills News Update. We've got some good news. The Lorax is back. Alexander lands a contract extension. Think about it, Chris. How big is this for the Buffalo Bills? I just look at it in the standpoint of a, of a leadership aspect. You lost Kyle Williams to retirement, and you lost Eric Wood in 2017. Yeah. You lose Kyle Woods in 20, uh, excuse me, Kyle Williams in 2018. The team has lost a significant portion of the leadership, or at least that core that McDermott's been building, that he kind of leaned on when he was rebuilding the culture of this franchise. Those guys were invaluable. They were the glue that pulled everything together through all the adversity that we went through in 2017. Heading into 2018 without Kyle Will, uh, excuse me, without Eric Wood, you saw what our offensive line was. You know, no Richie Incognito, no Eric Wood. Now you're leaning on Kyle and guys like Lorenzo to try to keep the locker room together. And while the play on the field may have fractured, there was no evidence anywhere to be found that anybody on that roster thought that the Bills weren't headed in the right direction. Behind closed doors, in that locker room, there was still belief. 
belief in the coach, belief in the process, belief in what was going on here. No matter what, and that's the foundation. That's the rock that McDermott is trying to build his church upon. So it's exciting to see that they're, they've managed to retain some of that. They've re-signed a, a guy who's a fan favorite and a player favorite in Lorenzo Alexander. He's coming back on a one-year deal, and he, he's likely going to end his career here as a Buffalo Bill, which is fitting because it's the first place he earned a Pro Bowl and really made a name for himself in the national scene. And think about it, Chris. When we signed him, did you know or care who Lorenzo Alexander was? No. I mean, I'm sure you were the, the same way. Absolutely. I'm sure I can go back and we can back, yeah, I, backtrack I, I, to that show. I didn't scoff at it, but I looked at the signing and was like, well, he's just another guy. He's played nine different positions. Why should he be any different here? He'll be another has-been who just gets put out to pasture. And instead, he flourished here. Not only did he flourish on the field, but he also became kind of the elder statesman in the locker room. Because his mentality has been and always will be. I'll do anything you ask me to do if it's what keeps me in the NFL. Yeah, he's a he's a good role model for I guess I would say guys that are uh, that would probably be full time special teamers trying to find a place on a team because Lorax has played every goddamn position except like quarterback. <laughs> he's played tight end. What was it? Defensive end, offensive line, tight end. Outside linebacker, inside linebacker. I mean, it's incredible. And he made his first, and it's fitting that he'll retire with us because he, it was here that he really found his niche. And I, I look at the quote that he gave, uh, according to Pro Football Ref, uh, Pro Football Talk. He sounds an awful lot like a guy. I'm hearing the same things that I heard from Kyle Williams at the end of 2018. You know, his quote, if you ask me today, yeah, this is my last year. At some point, you got to eventually walk away from the game and start the second half of your life. Obviously, I've got a lot of life left to live, and there are other things I want to do. I've got four kids that I want to be a part of what they're doing, whether that's Little League sports, dance, soccer, whatever that may look like. But Chris, doesn't that kind of mimic what you heard from Kyle Williams at the end of last season, where he's telling Mike Rodak, uh, Mike Rodak, I've spent my daughter's whole life at training camp. I've missed every summer of her childhood. I've watched too many sporting events via Facebook Live or via Skype. Yeah, it's it's gonna be. It, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be tough for. Um, I guess for our leadership group. I mean, because once this year ends, we're gonna have to have a totally well, new leadership group it'll be different and but it, it's good this is a steal chris you're focusing on the negative i'm looking at the positive aspects of this move on the field first and foremost the bills come out winners first of all you're talking about a guy who even into his 30s think about it it wasn't until he landed here in buffalo that he was ever getting starters reps so he has more meat left on the bone in terms of playing ability at this age than most guys who make it to th- in their their mid-30s, still playing football. Yeah, but how many times this year have you laid into him about his coverage skills at his age? But he's always managed to reinvent himself into what they want him to be. The Milano injury is the reason he was out there for a lot of those games where his coverage skills were exposed. But with that said, on the field for next year, the Bills come out winners. 
You're talking about re-signing a guy who played 50% of your defensive snaps and 35% of your special team snaps in 10 of 16 games last year. 10 of 16, I counted them myself over at profootballreference.com. And his cap number is fantastic value at $2.4 million in cash, which is a $3 million cap hit, which, Chris, when you look at, like I said, he's constantly reinventing himself. Last year, they tried to use him as a true inside linebacker. This year, they realized, okay, he's limited in coverage ability. Let's make him an in-the-box player, an extra pass rusher. Chris, according to Pro Football Focus, Lorenzo Alexander, for 2018 inside linebackers, had the most pressures in the NFL from the linebacker position at the age of 35. Well, I like that. He had two more than Van Noy, a Patriot. Fucking right. Gerard Davis, Dante Hightower, all of these inside linebackers who are essentially in-the-box players and dedicated pass rushers. Dante Hightower and Kyle Van Noy have been doing it their whole careers for the Patriots. Lorenzo Alexander just got shuffled in there two years ago. He's better than they are at it. That's incredible. We stole this guy for next year out there on the field. And off the field, it can't be... It's it's a wholly underrated move because you're talking about he is our team's NFLPA rep, okay? He's the guy who represents us when it comes to the Players Association. It gives him an extra year to groom his predecessor, whoever's going to come up behind him and represent our team when it comes to the Players Association. He's a former Man of the Year candidate. Chris, that's how much people think about him, not just as a player, but as a man. Yeah, for what he does for great. his community, he's great what he does for field. our community, what he does across the board, and what he does in the locker room. Chris, leadership with Kyle Williams leaving, Eric Wood gone, there's no Richie Incognito. You are running out of veteran players on this roster. This roster got drastically younger this season as we started experimenting with younger players at different positions and guys who you know won't be retained. Having Lorenzo as the elder statesman in the locker room, it's going to be a shift, but it's going to be that bridge. In my mind, he is that bridge for me in terms of leadership. Because you've got guys like Trey White. You've got guys like Trey Edmonds, and you've got guys like Josh Allen who are all growing into those leadership roles. Now, Josh Allen's doing it out of necessity. you're, You're the quarterback. You're supposed to be a leader. And you watch like that Lions game where he was mic'd up for it. Any of you who saw that, and if you haven't, go to buffalobills.com, watch the video of him mic'd up. Tell me that that doesn't seem like a guy who people are willing to run through a brick wall for. They're willing to rally around that guy. At the same time, you look at Trey White. Trey White is quietly one of the superstars on this team in the making. That's a guy who's going to run that locker room. He's a guy who leads by example. He doesn't need words. Trey Edmonds is slowly becoming a guy who is he's finding his feet, and he's going to have to become one of the guys who leads by example in that front seven. Lorenzo Alexander gives you an elder statesman in the room who can kind of help guide these guys as they take the reins of this team and make it their own. And that, at $3 million, I mean, that's, Chris, I can't tell you what a steal I think that is. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge steal. And 
the fact that he's uh, going to be in the linebacker room, he is Trey Edmonds better be attached to his hip. <laughs> is all I'm saying. And so now that we've figured out what's going on with the Lorax, it's finally good to hear that we're making some progress on the coaching front. Last week, I expressed a lot of frustration, a ton of frustration, over the lack of traction in our coaching our coaching vacancy searches. And then literally the day after we recorded, Chris. Because it was a Monday. Because we recorded on a Monday. We missed out on the opportunity to talk about it while it was fresh. New blood coming into the building. Chris, how angry was I when I texted you about it? Uh, you were very angry. Literally, uh, no more Monday recordings. And then what I did was uh, I looked at the calendar because, uh, you know, it's what I do. Uh Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, Tuesday, Wednesday, this year. And so the fact that I work a four-day week and it's on Christmas Day is on a Wednesday, leaving me one work day on a Thursday, might take that off, might be in Atlanta with the fam for Christmas, which might mean 23rd Monday recording. So, <laughs> so folks... I pardon you my my eruptions over this subject. So, it sounds like someone's got cases on Mondays. God, I, I, oh my God, I feel like Lawrence from Office Space. Mm. As you say that, someone should get their ass kicked for saying that. It starts off with offensive line coach Bobby Johnson. When I heard that we hired a former Colts offensive line coach. My heart skipped a beat because I thought that we landed the recently fired Dave Guglielmo. And I, Chris, can you blame me? I mean, you're talking no. about a guy who just oversaw one of the biggest offensive line turnarounds in recent NFL history. I mean, some of that's coaching. Some of that's also Chris Ballard. I mean, they draft. It, really it don't well take rocket appliances to figure out. Oh yeah, we we draft <laughs> we draft Quentin Nelson. The guy was a beast all year, and they went like they literally went like four or five games in a row without allowing Luck to be sacked. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, I, I don't care for for me at least because you know I'm I'm not I'm never going to tell you that I know the X's and O's in football, but you tell me that you got somebody from the Colts staff involved with the offensive line as our O line coach, uh, great hire. I'm not going to lie, I was less pumped to find out that it was actually one of Guglielmo's assistants, former Bills offensive line coach Bobby Johnson, former Bills center Eric Wood endorsed him as a solid ad. But I seem to remember a ton of subpar offensive line play in the Gailey era when he was our line coach. And is that Chris? Do you remember any of those lines being dominant? No. Or good. <laughs> or good. <laughs> no, it's uh, it was like two thousand. Was two thousand eleven? Yep. That was like the season where we were like, oh yeah, we're gonna do it, and then we didn't. <laughs> and that's when we were playing Chan Gailey football from nineteen ninety five in two thousand eleven. So. I mean, all I can say is this. When I look at his body of work, I don't know what to make of it. But here's what I'll say. He just worked with a guy as, a, as his primary assistant who oversaw one of the biggest – I mean, the Colts were a tire fire on offense last year. Their offensive line was a sieve. That's why Luck was out for one year. Overturned it in a single offseason. Yes, there was an infusion of talent, but somebody has to be there to teach that talent, coach them up. Hopefully some of Guglielmo rubbed off on this guy because we are going to, Chris, look at what our offensive line looks to be heading into next year. Yes. Do we, we even are, have enough right now to field an offensive line? I don't think we do. 
I'd say <laughs> half of the guys we fielded weren't offensive linemen. Starters, no. anyway. I think that there's some major tweaks coming. And I, I'm going to speculate that some of them are going to be in free agency. So you're going to have some veteran depth added in there. But I think that there's going to be some youth. I mean, you've got Dawkins. You've got Teller. You're going to add some young bodies to the offensive line. And with that said, you got to have somebody there who can coach them up. I mean, Chris, again, back to our the trope. Are you a teacher or a motivator? I hope that he fits the former rather than the latter. Because we're going to need that in order for yeah. our offensive line to gel better than it did this season. Yeah, I'd like him to be a, te- a teacher than a motivator. And on sure. special teams, Heath Farwell. As you heard in the opening to tonight's show, the guy prides himself on playing fast, playing aggressive. He likes aggressiveness. He preaches it, and that's what he pushes, his energy. For all the fans who decried the move as another Patriots hire, excuse me, Panthers hire, Chris, oh, it's just another Panthers, it's just another Panthers guy, oh, it's more homerism. Everyone needs to shut the fuck up for a second and listen to me. The guy only worked for the Panthers for one season, neither of which McDermott or Bean were in the building for. And he actually spent more time coaching with the Seahawks than he ever did with the Panthers organization. If anything, I'd like to think this affiliation with the Panthers in this instance is a good thing, Chris. Think about it. McDermott and Bean have connections in that building still. Bean specifically spent 19 years there in almost every department that the organization has to offer and then landed our job as GM. He probably contacted somebody there that we would have no idea that he would have contacted, like somebody in finance or something. But what it is is... He's got connections. You have connections there that you can reach out to to say, look, we're looking for a special teams coordinator and we kind of like what we're hearing about this guy, but... All these candidates that we see from other teams, what do, you, what do you have to go off of, Chris? Except for analytics and what you see on paper. What is your ranking? Think about this. Darren Rizzi. Darren Rizzi has a resume. Oh, yeah. Miami. From Miami. Has a resume that should have landed. He was in talks to be a head coach this year. And now he's working nowhere. He doesn't have a job. Meanwhile, the Bills go to the go to the well and say, look, we like the sound of this assistant from the Panthers. I'm sure they have people that they back channel with who are able to tell them a little bit more about this person than you can find out just from looking at their statistics. Just from looking at what you can measure on paper. That's not a terrible thing. It's not bad. Chris, anybody who tells me that it is, I'll... Oh, I'll I'll throw hot water in your face. I swear to God. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it, it, it entails to be a special teamer outside of as you watch it happen on the field, like on, uh, you know, punt blocks or punt returns or kickoffs. It's literally run down the field and maintain your lane outside. Like, give me a motivator. Well, that's for it. that. You what? And we constantly talk about it on this show. Whether you want a guy who's a teacher or whether he's a motivator. In terms of special teams, I don't know how you teach, quote-unquote, special teams. 
Because you have guys from every different position group contributing. You have linebackers. You have cornerbacks. Wide receivers. Offensive linemen, defensive ends. Eddie Yarbrough covers kicks for us. He's a defensive end. At the same time, so does Lorenzo Alexander. He's a linebacker. You also have defensive backs and backup linebackers and fullbacks. You have everybody contributing from different groups. So what can you do outside of, hey, I'm going to show you where you should be and I'm going to motivate you to play harder than the guy who's trying to block you. That's it. That's the type of guy I need. And I like the vibe that I get from the guy. Energy, passion, playing quickly. He talks about these things. You watch a lot of the things that I read just from the Panthers about his departure make make me excited. Because some of the Panthers fans who wrote in fan posts on SB Nation about his release talked about how he may have been the heart and soul of their special teams unit. The coordinator did his job, but he was the motivator. He was the guy who got these guys fired up to break blocks, run downfield, maintain your lane, impose your will on the opponent. That's what we're out here to do. Wasn't he like a career special teamer anyway? Yes. playing days? He played it. He played it for a living, so who knows how to fire up a room full of guys to go out there and run headfirst into blocks than him, a guy who did it year after year after year. How great would it be like if when April comes, because he's like a motivator, he walks into the facility and just flips the special teams table in the meeting room? <laughs> what are you, Lou Brown? <laughs> no, like you would be like, that's my kind of guy. He flips tables just like I do. No, I mean, he flips actual tables. I flip coffee tables. <laughs> Either way, I think it's a great hire just from the look. I get a look at it, and I like the hire. I think it's going to bear fruit for the Buffalo Bills, and I think you're going to see a real difference this year. And if not, you all can hold me responsible, all right? You, the listening public. And now I'd like to... I'd like to break from this conversation and kind of segue into something that I I touched on. I found out this week and it, it's just been tickling me in the back of my head and I got to get it out. I got to talk about it. Is there any more hires on the way? I want to talk about McDermott and a curious new trend in the NFL in terms of hiring assistants. I stumbled across this when I was browsing pro football talk. And it seemed kind of innocuous at first, but it really got my mind working. The headline was about Mike Tomlin of the Steelers, head coach, and how the Steelers were considering hiring a full-time assistant coach whose only job was going to be to oversee challenges and clock management. The story went on to outline that the owner, Art Rooney, was considering it after Tomlin went 0 for 9 in challenges over the last two seasons and had multiple in-game gaffes. I mean, just egregious mistakes. If you're talking about urgency and time management. And it also mentioned that last season, Dan Quinn of the Atlanta Falcons hired one and the Panthers' new owner, Mr. Tepper, has also been talking about getting one of these types of assistants for his coach, Ron Rivera. So, Chris... I've got a few questions. First of all, why is this not a bigger thing in football? You, There is no cap on the size of a staff that you can have. There's no salary cap on coaching staff, point blank and period. I mean, I look at college football. Alabama employs a strength and conditioning coach 
who makes half a million dollars a year because he is the team's primary motivator. The guy is a lunatic on the sideline. You ever seen him? I will post a video on Twitter tonight of his highlights. Isn't this there, man motivates these kids to go out there and bust ass. Isn't there a video? I think it's on Twitter. There's a video on Twitter of somebody that is literally stands all game with Sean McVay. I retweeted that, of, yes. It was at, I, I don't know if, if I saw it on Twitter or, if, or maybe you retweeted it, but this guy literally stands behind Sean McVay and the Rams and just pulls him back onto the sideline. Literally grabs him by the hips and pulls him back onto the sidelines. Like dirty dancing. Exactly. Just so he doesn't get penalized for being too far out on the field. If you can pay a guy to do that job, why can't you pay a guy to help a coach make the right calls in the right moment? I mean, think about it. Across the NFL, how does every coach not have one of these? I guarantee you that one of these ambiguous assistants of uh, Bill Belichick, I'm sure it'll come out in his memoirs that he had 10 of these guys way before anybody else was ever even thinking about it because that's the way that fucker is and I'll see him in hell and we can have that conversation. But with that, it should be a bigger thing, Chris. Think about it. Think about everything a head coach is responsible for. Managing literally everything. Okay. Offense, defense, special teams. Why wouldn't you put as many assistants around you as you could? Well, then, I think then it gets to a point where you. I want to. I want to say like kind of not this instance came up with with Rex, but his involvement with the defense, you get too many voices coming at you and you don't, you don't learn anything. So if you have, if you have too many assistant coaches speaking in the head coach's ear, I think it could get the head coach a little more flustered. Okay. But that's not to say that having a guy who's in charge of this, these specific facets of the NFL game couldn't bear fruit. I mean, what the fuck you're talking about? The Steelers are talking about doing this for Tomlin because he had two bad years. In terms of challenges, I would do. I would do it. Look at Sean McDermott's track record. He's one of ten in his first two seasons as a head coach. He's won one challenge out of ten attempts. He's zero for his last nine, and he's one for seven on challenges involving whether a catch was legitimate or not. Wouldn't it be nice to put somebody in his ear and say, "Hey, Sean, don't challenge that. Don't don't challenge that catch." You're not going to win it. It's like the, we just saw it this week in the postseason. Nobody knows what the fuck a catch is. Sometimes plays look like they're not catches, and then you challenge it, or then it gets reviewed, and it turns out, well, the ball did touch the ground, but the player had three-quarter rotation when, he, when it touched the ground, and it looked like he had control. Who the fuck cares? Don't burn a timeout challenging that. Somebody needs to be there to stop an aggressive coach from challenging those types of plays and thus burning timeouts that might come into handy later, especially for a coach like McDermott, who has had a ton of just... Chris, when it comes to clock management, McDermott is not very... He's not well-versed. Not only is his challenge record atrocious, you Google Sean McDermott clock management. Go ahead and plug those into Google and just look at the litany of articles that fill up your feed about him poorly before the Tampa Bay game last year. Just how he handled the clock. It wasn't right. 
there's game after game after game where it, it shows like in the moment he gets flustered and doesn't make the right call. Hire him a coach then. Hire him an assistant who can handle this. Here's why I'd say it makes so much sense. It makes too much sense not to do this. Not all coaches are created equal in terms of game day execution. You have guys like Belichick who are diabolical geniuses who can just ride this stuff on their own. But what I look at are the coaches like Adam Gase. Look at Adam Gase. Adam Gase was an X's and O's guy all the way through. He had the right game plan for every situation. Yada, 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 yada. It's the thing that saved his job for three years. At the end of the day, he couldn't build a culture. A culture of accountability, a culture of toughness, a culture of pushback. Listen. We're not going to get shoved around, and when we do, okay, we got our asses punched in. We're going to show up next week and fight this team, and we're going to fight the next team, and the next team, and the next team, until we can crawl our way out of this hole. We built the culture, and that's based on McDermott, and McDermott alone. I credit nobody else. Brandon Bean, he's done a good job, but he was not involved with this, with the players, the way Sean McDermott was. And if I'm going to give him credit for anything, it's that. He is the architect of the current culture of this team. And damn it if I'm not pumped about the direction we're headed in. Chris, we just got done talking about it with Lorenzo Alexander. Well, with the the potential of adding a coach specific for clock management and uh, challenges, that's just another coach for you to yell at. When you're six six deep, we're watching an away game, and you're yelling at the TV, "Why aren't we challenging this?" And then you're gonna want that guy's head. You'll have you'll have a U-Haul truck for him. But my point is, you're talking about our head coach, who is done. He's done the head coach's job. He's led this team. He's led us through adversity. He's built a culture of accountability. I mean, you heard it. For those of you who watch First Take. LaShawn McCoy appeared on first take with Stephen A. Smith and whatever that other white guy's name was trying to remember. Max Kellerman. Ah, oh, gee. He's got one of the most punchable faces I've ever seen in my life. He does. I mean, he's. It's like him. Who's another? Uh, Will Kane. He's another one. Punchable face. Dan Snyder. Super punchable face. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a load of them. I have a laundry list. If you ever want to see them, I'll post them online. But. You're talking about LaShawn McCoy going on to this national program and admitting, I got benched. We lost 24-12 to to the Patriots. And I got benched for the first series because I was late to the bus. And the way McDermott treats us is, listen, the star is no better than the backup or the backup's backup. We're all the same. We all pull our own weight or else think the boat doesn't move. I like it. Accountability. Accountability. He's I love created it. a culture of accountability. And LaShawn McCoy went on to say that as a captain, I need to do better. And I realize that. How Under Rex Ryan, do you think that would have happened? No. No. <laughs> no, it never. And that's my point. He's created a culture here, which we didn't have. I look at coaches like who have failed, like Adam Gase. I look at coaches like Todd Bowles. Both of them failed to build a culture. They're right here in our own division. They're the best examples I can give of it. I like how that you just named two coaches that are the king of gifts. Now throw the now throw this guy some help because he clearly struggles in a couple aspects. Yes, he's a culture builder. He's a good coach. He's just not 
great when it comes to critical decisions in the game in terms of challenging and clock management. If you're talking about giving other teams this help, why the hell wouldn't the Bills do it? It makes way too much sense. I'm sorry. I just, I think that what he brings to the table, because there's a lot of people who have this fight with me. And for those of you listening, maybe you've had this argument with people you know who say he's not a good coach because he makes clock mistakes. Because he, you know, oh, wow, he challenged that play and he shouldn't have because it was a wasted timeout. Well, guess what? That doesn't discount what he's built here. And given that, if there's an opportunity, if there's a trend growing here to add a coach like this, Chris, it would be ridiculous not to. Yeah, I, and I also would think uh, Terry Pagula, I believe, has the money to afford that. <laughs> if I'm not... If I'm not T-Pegs can float it. So, folks, I think that's something worth keeping an eye on as the offseason off goes on. Just to see if the team is forward-thinking enough to bring in a guy like that to help out McDermott. All right, folks, and without any further ado, it is my pleasure to bring to you a household name here in the city of Buffalo, our favorite player. He don't like almonds. And he loves Sweet Baby Ray's. I'd like to put some barbecue sauce on that button. <laughs> he doesn't swear. Funky, but love it. Buffalo Bills long snapper, Reed Ferguson. Dude, I totally miss you. I really fucking miss you. Oh, Reed, how are you doing tonight, sir? Guys, I am doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing really well. We uh, miss you. That's what's up. <laughs> Chris misses you desperately, sir. I I can say the same. I've so I'm I'm willing to wager that it's a lot warmer where you are right now than where we are. Uh, I would I, I would I would take that wager. It's 65 here. Oh, you son of a! I'll tell you this: it was so cold here. We hit the single digits for three straight days, and my shower froze. <laughs> oh, I believe it. I was looking on Sunday. Um, Watching the uh, the Chiefs Patriots game, I saw in OP it was one degree and negative seventeen wind chill. So uh, we got that to look forward to when we when we play that game in Buffalo. <laughs> Absolutely, folks. For those of you who are new to the program, Reed Ferguson, Buffalo Bills long snapper, friend of the show. So, Reed, we didn't really get a chance to catch up with you at the end of last season. I mean, it's it's good to hear from you. I want you to, you know, I, I want to sit down and have a conversation with you about just everything there at the end and where we go forward from there. I mean, there's so much that's changing. First and foremost, 2018. For me, I look at that as a year of real adversity and growth for this football team. And also, kind of for you in particular. I mean, this may sound creepy, but I went back all the way to your high school playing days. And I couldn't find a single season where you ever played for a football team that lost 10 games before. Was that a new kind of experience for you here this year? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, it sounds like you did your research, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, fortunate to be on teams, you know, growing up and, and playing on teams that, uh, have, have done well. But I think, um, you know, it, it kind of, it's kind of a, it's a new challenge, I guess you could say. Um, I think for a lot of guys, a lot of guys on this team, I mean, we've got some Alabama guys, some big-time college guys that have won a lot of games, you know, in their college careers. And 
and coming in and, you know, we did struggle a little bit this year, but I think we're, you know, headed in the right direction and, you know, playing a lot, get, getting a lot of those young guys playing time and, and working through it and building the culture. Um, you know, I, I think that it can only help having a lot of guys on, on one team that have won a lot of games that are used to winning. Does that make sense? Oh, it absolutely makes sense. Because you know what? Yeah, it, if you're talking about a bunch of guys who are used to losing, losing can become, and we've seen it here as Bills fans. There have been a lot of seasons under different regimes with different coaching staffs and different GMs where losing becomes common. I don't want to say commonplace or accepted, but it kind of does. You know, there becomes a complacency. So bringing in young, bringing in young guys who aren't used to losing football games, who still take it personally and get a little bit fired up over it, you can't underscore what that means in terms of the effort they're going to give in order to try to get back to winning football because that's what they're used to. Now, with that said, I mean, the ending, that final game against Miami, to go out on a, on a high note that high, what, what do you think that does for a team like the, like the Buffalo Bills, the way they're currently constructed? Oh, I mean, it means it, it, it meant the world to us going out on, on that note. I mean, we went out with a bang, you know, at home um, against division rival who, who, you know, beat us earlier in the season uh, down in Miami. It was Kyle's last game. We Everybody wanted to send him off on a high note and then, you know, compound that with, you know, the weather. It was probably the coldest game of the year. So um, I think it was, you know, kind of a perfect storm a little bit uh, just to just to end the season on a high note and kind of show uh, show all of all of all of Buffalo and all the Bills fans around the world kind of what to expect going into next season <laughs> I'll tell you that game Chris and I were the only two out of our four who made it to that game yeah Potter and Dan didn't uh, care to come Chris so. I'll tell you I'll tell you man it was something to see it was something to see and God bless you guys for putting in the work that it takes to come out with a victory like that. I mean, it was resounding. And for the first time in a while, you know, I'm walking across the parking lot. There, there's a vibe. When the Bills win a big game, there is a vibe that carries its way out of the stadium as you're walking across the parking lot on your way back to your vehicle. There's the same vibe after a loss. But I'll tell you that I, even the, the Jacksonville game, that was a big win. Uh, there was been some home wins. The Lions game, another win at home. But the atmosphere walking across the parking lot back to the vehicles after that Dolphins win, that was big. There was, I mean, you could feel it. There was a buzz amongst the Absolutely. fan base knowing that we're – and I have to imagine the same thing was going on in that locker room. So now for you heading forward, now I, I know your contract status. I, I mean, I, I have you signed a new deal? Are they working with your agent? Because I know that you're, I believe, a restricted free agent. Correct? Uh, I think it's called a exclusive rights free agent. Um, it's based on uh, how many years I have, and, and technically, this was my third year out, but I only have two uh, active seasons. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're we're currently currently working through it, but uh, I do know that I'll be back. Um, for this season in Buffalo, fantastic! That's what we like to hear, Chris, isn't it? Yeah. So you can't you can't sign your deal until the new league year in March, right? Uh, no. If they wanted to uh, 
offer me, you know, multi years or, or um, you know, whatever they feel is best. I could, I could sign it right now because I'm still under, um, I'm still under under their control. Oh, because of the exclusive rights free agency. Whereas right. they could wait until the period opens and then tender you. Okay, that makes sense. I believe I believe the rule. Um, I'm assuming you're referring to free agents, like unrestricted free agency. I think for unrestricted free agents, if they don't, um, I think if they want to re-sign with the team they just played for, um, they can before the new league year and before free agency starts. But if they want to test the market, they have to wait. Okay. Well, it's just good to hear you're going to be back, man. I mean, what, we got Stackburger. Good to be back. I mean, where else would you rather be? We got Stackburger. Wegmans. We, we don't, don't have Wegmans? Yeah, we don't, don't have Wegmans anywhere else? No. Come on now. <laughs> so, Chick-fil-A. Oh, Chick-fil-A yeah. now. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. I'll tell you, Reed, I haven't gone. I need your honest expert opinion, being from the South. If you haven't gone by the time I get back in April, then I'm taking you for your first experience. You know what? I may wait because every it's time... An honest, I, it's, it's honestly a shame you haven't gone yet. Every time I go, you know me, Reed. I don't like people. And I drive by and I see no fewer than 50 to 60 cars between the parking lot and the drive-thru. I'm not going to do that for a chicken sandwich. I'm sorry. I just don't have the patience for that. It's worth it. It's worth it. Well, I'll have to take your word for it, sir. Chris, he knows. Chris knows. Yeah, I know. well, at least I, I know, and then I also know when it comes to your recommendation of, of raising canes. But I will say, if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, take Drew for his first Chick Fil A experience, you should do what uh, you did for me. You told me what to get at Raising Canes. If you go with Drew, you should order for Drew, like like it's a bromantic mandate. <laughs> well, the, what I'm going to need is I'm going to need your expert opinion on this because in the hierarchy of Southern fried chicken foods, I, I I'm out here. I'm out here blind. I mean, there's a Popeyes. There's a Popeyes that just opened up next to my wife's office. I'm getting fed off that. I got. I'm not going to lie to you. She. I mean, she could walk across the parking lot and get some. And the three ninety nine box meal is killing me. It's absolutely killing my diet right now. So, yeah, Chick Fil A, much higher tier level of uh, fried chicken there. Oh. All right, well, I'm looking forward to that. So now for you, I mean, you're pretty confident you're going to be back next season. You've got last year in the rearview mirror adversity, but room for growth, and there's a lot of positivity there. Now we're looking forward into 2019. What do you got planned for the off season? First and foremost, and my wife promised it made me promise that I would ask this question. How is the new puppy Buck doing? Oh, he's doing great. He's uh, he's about three months old. For those that uh, don't know, which I, I guess is everybody, um, <laughs> he's a gold, three-month-old golden doodle. Uh, he's doing great. Um, very hyper all day, every day, and I uh, just got him started on some training. So he's, uh, you know, I, I want to, I want him to be able to, you know, follow me around and all that kind of stuff. So. You and the, uh, you and yeah, the, it's, going, it's going well. You and the dog having some adventures together. Now, yeah. being a now, I don't know what your off season regimen is like. I mean, walk me through this. You're you're a you're a guy in his early twenties with a puppy, and you've got training to do because obviously you want to stay in shape. I mean, there used to be the day we were joking about it this weekend. How every time they bring up these old timey football records. And they talk about how, well, this guy back in the 50s did this. And I have to remind people, 
Those were back in the days when most defensive players spent their summer eating pork belly and smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Like, that's what happened. And then they came back and got in game shape a month before the season started. It's an all-year-long thing for football players. What is what does your offseason consist of then? Just a guy in his early 20s, got a new puppy, you got to find time to work out. Obviously, you got to find time for your own life. What does that look like on a week-to-week basis for you going forward? Yeah, so um, after the season was over, I took about two weeks off, um, started working out. Uh, last week, uh, just kind of doing some light stuff, some running, lifting, you know, the, the, the basic, um, throw some CrossFit in there. I like to mix it up a little bit, but uh, Wait yeah, a minute, so CrossFit? CrossFit? Uh-huh. Oh, come on! Boo, you're killing hey, me. Hey, don't knock it till you try it. I will never try it. I will never. That's, if you, that's a shame. I, 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 don't, I, mean, I don't have much to say. That's a shame. It's fun. <laughs> you will, you will, you will have more fun at a CrossFit workout in one hour than you will at two hours at your gym that I that I've heard you talk about. <laughs> Is that before or after the soap in the eyes? <laughs> so with that, you seem to stay pretty active. I mean, you follow guys. For those of you who don't, at Snapflow fifty on Twitter, you can follow Reed. Oh, did you change it? Yeah, it got changed. At Snapflow sixty nine. All right. He's changing it, folks. At Snapflow69, you can see he's he's a multifaceted guy. I mean, he stays busy. He, you're, What is your gaming handle? Just in case anybody out here wants to get a hold of you, because I, I hear you're okay at FIFA. Yeah, if anybody wants to challenge the master, um, <laughs> that, my gamer tag is on Xbox is uh, Snapflow50. Uh, that is not you that is unable to be changed but uh yeah you if you if you want if you want a good challenge i'm uh i've got three months to play fifa <laughs> so going forward looking ahead to 2019 i mean obviously we have a new special teams coordinator i mean i know it's it's probably going to be different when you get back here because i mean we talked about it earlier this evening guy uh, about the new the new incoming coach he's going to bring in his own personnel there's probably going to be a new punter I mean, it's there's going to be a lot to get used to when you get back here. So, knowing that there's kind of this, you know, there's this big unforeseen, you know, this kind of, I guess I, I don't know what you want to call it, but this ambiguous thing in your future. How do you intend on spending the next handful of months until you have to report back here? Do you have any special plans? Do you plan on getting out and seeing anything? Yeah, uh, so, let's see, um... I'm road tripping from Atlanta to Dallas. Girlfriend's flying up uh, first of next month or uh, first week of uh, February. We're going to road trip a little bit, uh, take bucks uh, along for the ride. Um, that's 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 one trip. Uh, going to London with my dad. Uh, that'll be that'll be great. Going to see some. Uh, I think I think we've got three Premier League uh, games planned um, for that week at the end of February, which is. Uh, super, super exciting. I, I've never been out of the country. Um, had my uh, passport for a little over a year now and haven't used it. Um, what games are you going so, to see? Uh, Chelsea's got a, you know, that's my team. I got to see them while I'm over there. So they got a game uh, the day after we get there um, on Sunday. And then Tuesday, uh, Leicester City 
uh, we're going to see a game in Leicester, and then uh, Wednesday we will be making our way up to Newcastle uh, in north north uh, part of the country. So uh, for a game, so super pumped about that. And then um, at the, I, I think we talked about it last year in the off season uh, when I went to Angola to the uh, prison. Yes. Uh, the prison trip. Uh, I'm also doing that again this year in uh, at the first week of March. So are I'm you, looking forward to uh, staying busy. Are you doing that with any other uh, Bills players? I'm not sure. I haven't I haven't gotten the list uh, from our chaplain of who's going yet. Um, I just know I just know the date the dates of of the of the event. So well, I'll tell you this, I, and that's one that's one of the things I wanted to ask you. For those of you who don't know, Reed is incredibly involved. I mean, he does a lot of things for charity. I mean, I know when he's here, when he's here in Buffalo, there's the Oshai uh, Children's Hospital, and they yeah. ha- they work with a lot of cancer patient uh, cancer patients, juveniles, kids, and Reed's a fixture over there. I know because one of my friends recently had a daughter who was being treated there, and that's he met Reed. Kind of through us, but then also got to know him from just him being at the hospital all the time. And it just, he always talks about how incredible it is that there's, there's guys like you, Reed, who go and do all of this charity stuff, not because you have to, but because you genuinely want to. And so that was one of the questions I had for you was what, what kind of stuff are you working on this offseason? I know that Angola prison thing last year, you know, they did a write up on it and it was really, it was really interesting to get your perspective on that. So is there anything else like that that you're in that kind of vein that you're working on this off season? Uh, not nothing, nothing um, really at at the moment. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously like I just said, I'm, I'm doing the same trip again. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've got my uh, hospital visits set up for uh, a couple times when I, when we get back up for OTAs here in, in April, April, May, and June. So I'll be doing that a couple times as well as uh, staying involved with the Punt Foundation. Then that's that's fantastic. I, I bet you the kids can't wait to see you, man. <laughs> Lord knows we miss you. I'm sure they do too. I miss you because I need <laughs> to hang out with people that are not married. <laughs> he apparently it's a problem, Reed. That I I'm monogamous all of a sudden. I'm locked into monogamy. You're just a problem in general. I'm a problem. It changes you. It I, changes you. I think most people would agree I'm a problem in general. So Reed. I want your reaction because we gave ours earlier to championship weekend. Saints, 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 Rams, obviously a controversial ending. Chiefs, Patriots. I mean, the Patriots are a team you've gotten to play four times now in your professional career. <laughs> what do you think about this Super Bowl matchup? Uh, well, I guess to, to start off my answer, I will 100, 100% be rooting for uh, the Rams. Yes, um, you should. Needless to say, I guess. But um, yeah, uh, it, two. I mean, regardless of who is playing, two phenomenal games. Um, you know, to to have two games go to overtime at, at this level, at this stage of the season, you know, just kind of shows the, uh, you know, how how good how good those teams are and and what it takes to get that far, you know, in the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl, but. Uh, yeah, two two great games. Really enjoyed watching both of them. Uh, you know, a lot of takeaways to um, to kind of think about on on both sides. I mean, I think the obvious one from the Saints game is the is the no no call on the PI. The no call on uh, the which PI, is tough, which is which is tough. Um, 
you know, it. But, but you know, but it's kind a of bang bang play. Well, there's you know, something the, we talked the, about. One draft that that's standing there. You know, you know, you, you watch on replay, and, and you probably say, and you say he, you know, he should have made that call. But, um, you know, I, I've talked to a couple of refs, you know, o- over over my time, and you know, the the one thing I, the one constant they they tell me is you, they just trust their gut, and um, you know, they don't like to second guess themselves. So um, yeah, I mean it's 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 tough. Uh, Saints should probably be going, you know, to the Super Bowl. But uh, you know, on, on the flip side, you know, you can't. I don't. I don't really think that you can blame one play. On, no, no, no. You know, you, you're talking about that, a team that, that, that one play is not the sole reason they didn't win the game. You know, you can go. You can you can go back to. to many other plays in the game and say, oh, well, if they would have, you know, if you would have done this, if he would have caught this ball, you know, we could have been in scoring position and, and such and such. But, uh, you know, for lack of better words, it, it's easy to just put it all on one play. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, it, there's a couple points. First and foremost, you're talking about it coming down to, you know, that there was other things that decided the game. The Saints were winning 13 nothing. You were winning 13 nothing, and you let that team come back and win the way that they did. You let that happen. You can't pretend that that, right. that, that that didn't happen. Also, you specifically played in a football game. I mean, first of all, you're a Bills player. You've probably seen some calls that should have gone our way that didn't. But right. if I'm going to point to anything, I'm looking at the Kelvin Benjamin touchdown. You were That was your first game in Foxborough in your career. <laughs> you you yeah, watched no, that I, touchdown I, I, come off the board. That, that was one of the plays that came to my mind. <laughs> so you watched that touch. You watched that whole thing unfold. It's like if if these are the I don't know these aren't actionable things. This is just what happens in the game of football. It's never going to be a perfect science. It never will be. It's a sport. There's as long as there's human interaction, there will always be flaws. And I guess I just. When you put it through that kind of a lens, I think that people are making a lot out of something that, yes, is it bad? Yes. Do you feel bad for everybody involved? Probably. I feel bad for the official for having to make that call in hostile territory, knowing that he's probably going to hear about this for a long time. He's got to go. There's the there's the teams involved. It's just a giant brouhaha. But really, there was a lot in the game that could have changed the outcome. Now, on the flip side of the coin, you've got the Patriots game. And the Patriots just never seem to go away. (laughs) They just never seem to go away. As somebody who's played against the Patriots now four four times now in your career you've played them, have you, I guess as a player, you respect a team like the Patriots when you watch what it is they do, right? As a player, you watch what it is they do on the field on Sundays. You have to have a certain level of respect for that, right? Yeah, I mean, to, to a point, yeah. <laughs> to a point, exactly. And as a fan, I carry no respect for it. I'm, I'm belligerent. I hate every second of it, and I, I punish my liver most times when it doesn't go. Oh, God. I'm all fired up about this. Your pick for the winner of the Super Bowl, what do you got? L.A., no question. <laughs> no question. Not even close. All right. We like it. I'm sure Bills fans everywhere like it. Reed, why don't you tell us where we can find your stuff on social media and where people who are interested in following your off-season exploits, your, I mean, your jet setting all over the world, 
You're going to be doing charity work. It's going to be great. Where can they find you? Yeah, uh, Twitter uh, is, is probably my most used platform. Um, Snapflow69 is my handle. Uh, Instagram, you can find me at uh, Reed Ferguson, all, all one word, all together. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'll be. I'll be posting some good stuff. Again, you can find Reed on Twitter at Snapflow69, no longer 50. Uh, and then, what do you say, at Reed Ferguson on Instagram. And uh, if you have an Xbox, at Snapflow50, if you want to get your ass kicked in FIFA. Apparently, he was, like, world-ranked yeah, at one point. Yeah, he's, like, world-ranked at FIFA. He's, like, in, <laughs> he's in, like, the top tier division. So if you have Xbox... Go challenge the dude. I wonder where Reed falls in the video game hierarchy of long snappers. He's probably one of the best. I'd be interested to go. For, well, I'd be interested to find out how that works. Now, Drew, next week. Speaking of the Super Bowl, folks, <sighs> next week. I know it sucks. The fucking Patriots are in the Super Bowl again. But don't worry because we're not going to leave you high and dry. We are coming back with our annual Bills Fans Guide to Surviving the Super Bowl. We're going to be here in studio with Dan Borello of Rock Sports Network. He's going to join us for our annual Super Bowl festivities. I mean, we're talking guide to enjoying the game without getting your blood pressure up. We're talking about Super Bowl party etiquette, annual prop bets, our drinking games, what we're going to be watching for. There's so much stuff here to build on. Chris, it's going to be a chalk show. If you don't show up for it, then ah, you're missing out. Guys, I know that this Super Bowl is going to be hard to watch, but together we can get through this. So make sure you tune in next week. We got to go. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. Huge shout out to Reed Ferguson for stopping by tonight. And this has been the Rock Pile Report. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.